How you doing everybody? Steve Chong here. I'm the founder and director of the Rice Movement and it is amazing to be here at HDBB in Malaysia. I tell you why it's particularly cool for me to be here. So I'm kind of a bit mixed up as you can see. I, I, I look Asian, I sound Aussie and actually I'm not just Asian, I am Malaysian because my parents are born just outside of KL in Saranban. And I am coming here and I've only been here back a few times and it's been so cool to be here. I'm really kind of a bit mixed up because I'm like, I, I, I feel like this, the, the inner Malaysian has awoken in me. Last night I had not just one or two durians, I had eight durians. And then I snuck out for another one in the evening just for good measure because I was in Penang and this place not only smells terrible, but just tastes, oh, mm, so good. So I'm preaching on Durian power and Holy Spirit power together today. And I'm just so excited to talk to you today about Jesus Christ. I have one person who I love. His name is Jesus. And for me, that person is everything. Um, in, in the New Testament, he's also uh, known as, um, we've got a number of names, but the Messiah. And today I'm going to talk to you about the five M's, as in M, M as in M for Malaysia, M for Maccas, M for Makan. So the five M's of the Messiah and uh, the Messiah's ministry. And uh, what those five M's are, I'm going to talk to you about what he does when it comes to his mission. Because my desire and my biggest heart is for you who are watching to get on board with the Messiah's mission. And to do that, you need to be on board with all five of these M's. Now, the first M for the Messiah's mission is his method. And as I talk about his method, I wanna talk about what it looks like to get on mission. Now, everybody is different in the church. So many different ways of getting on mission when it comes to getting out the news of Jesus Christ. Because I actually believe that today what's going to happen is people who are listening are going to almost get like a fire under them and they're going to become bolder than they thought they could ever be. Do you believe that could happen? So will you get on board with Jesus' mission? And I believe you can't do it in your own strength and you might be thinking, hey, we'll leave that to the out there extroverts, the loud people. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. God is going to use you today as you get on board with Jesus' method for mission. Because you see, lots of people do things differently. You've got like the Billy Grahams of the world who when they speak, they speak in front of large crowds and they, and, they, and they call people to come to know Jesus. That's part of the mission. You've got other people who do it different ways. You've got the whole Nicky Gumbel Alpha thing. Countless people come to know Jesus uh, through the Alpha courses. And I want to say to you, there's so many different ways that people are getting on mission. And let me tell you, there's different ways that different people do it. My dad, he's not a preacher. Sometimes he pretends to and tries to and around the family dinner. It's terrible, terrible. Now that I've told, said something about my dad about how he can't really preach, let me tell you what he can do, better than almost anyone I've seen. This 72-year-old man is more interested in talking to people in the line for the restaurant about Jesus than he is about eating his food. Literally, one hour before shooting this, we're in the shopping center here in Malaysia called Lot 10. And we went in the line and dad was in the line and I heard him, he's talking to someone about Jesus while the guy just wants to get his beef noodle, beef ball soup. All the guy wants is beef ball soup, but he's trapped because it's a long line for the famous beef ball soup and he's trying to get it and Dad's just got him. And so the whole line, Dad's like, Jesus, 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 I'm going to church, you want to come to church, the whole thing. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, I'm saying that different people do different ways. How can Dad do that? 
I don't think it used to be like that. I'll tell you why. It's because what God has done is he's put a fire in his heart. What is the method that Jesus uses for ministry? Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like this. For Jesus, what he did was, is he always went to people. Let me tell you in, in um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. This is where we're going to go today. I want to read you a bit of it each time. So here he goes. Jesus, let me tell you what he did. Jesus went through, in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus never just thought, you know what, when people are um, you know, ready and, and they're ready for a little bit of me, they'll come to me. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus was on mission. The moment Jesus, you hear about his ministry, he goes towards people. It doesn't matter whether we're doing it via an alpha course or whether uh, someone's doing it on, on a stage and going towards the people or I'm doing it with you right now or my dad's doing it in the lunch line. There is something that is about going towards people. For Jesus, he was not content to just stay out in the towns, uh, stay out beyond by himself. He went out into the towns and he then he, that wasn't enough. So he went out into the villages and he continued to go out towards people. He had a desire and that, that drove him to keep moving towards people. And you might think, this is obvious. See, what are you telling us that's new? During the time of, of leading the rice movement, um, what, what I remember having moments where I was just like, I remember having feeling these moments where I was just like, um, I'm just so often in meetings. I'm just constantly in these meetings trying to work out what to do with church, what to do with church, and expecting that, that, that people would just come. But I forgot to go towards people. And one of the things that I love about how Jesus does stuff is he's constantly for the person. He's constantly moving towards the people. You know, the first thing that happened when I came here on the very, very first day that I arrived here in KL is I met the uh, pastor here, Pastor Miles. You know what was so exciting for him? The guy just, man, he just lives and believes Jesus. He loves Jesus. You know, he walked straight over to this um, baptismal pool and he said, 46 people got baptized in this pool last week. And I'm just like, and you can see in his face, the, the joy. You see, that's the kind of church, that's the kind of thing that we're looking for. The kind of people that we're trying to have. People that refuse to sort of become a holy huddle, refuse to be a Christian ghetto. And constantly are thinking, who are the lost that needs to be reached? Who are the lost that needs to be reached? You know, I want to tell you a little bit story about, about the movement that, that we lead um, and, uh, uh, for the last 20 years. So about 20 years ago, I was involved in um, founding the rice movement in Sydney, Australia. And over the last years, it's just gone so crazy and fast. And I'm going to show you just a, a bunch of photos right now and just to show, show you what happened. Let me tell you how this thing grew. So like in 2002, you'll see in this first photo um, that you'll start seeing right now is that, that this was the first ever rice rally. Like we're talking about um, 100 uh, and 20 kids in the hall. And that night we saw 20 kids come to know Jesus. Are you excited by that? 20 kids came to know Jesus uh, in that photo. And you can see me there in the bottom, I think like left-hand corner, one of the corners uh, over there doing this. That's, that's me as a 22 year old. And what happened was this. One thing we started realizing is that young people really want to bring their friends to come to know Jesus. And I was just amazed by this because as a teenager myself, the truth is I didn't go towards the people. I didn't go towards the people. I cared a little bit too much about um, what people thought about me. And the truth is, I started seeing these young people invite people. You won't believe it. There was one girl that I'll never forget. I've, I, like, this was crazy. I remember 
that she invited to the next rice rally, she invited her whole math class of 20 uh, people. I think um, out of the 20 people, I think 18 came. 18 non, not yet Christians came. Who invites, who invites the whole classroom? She gets up and invites the whole classroom to an event. 18 came, I think they hired like a little bus. 18 came and of that, of that 18, nine of them came to know Jesus. And so what I'm trying to say is, what happened is this thing continued to grow. It was crazy. So if you look at that photo in 2002 um, and put that up again, then that moves, you can see it grew to 2003. This is what happens when people move towards people uh, with the gospel. 2003 happened, have a look at that. Now then have a look at that and then keep growing to 2004. And now this time, keep growing, keep going to 2005. We couldn't fit it. Now we're in like the Sydney town hall. It was crazy. It was like, I remember, never forget that night. There was like thousands of people in the middle of, um, in, if you know Sydney, George Street's like, Main Street, right, in the city. And there was like queues of Asian kids uh, just queuing down the road in Sydney. Like it was like six people along all the way down the city. People were like taking photos going like, what's happening here? All of Chinatown's moved for the night. And they've kind of turned up here at this one place. And it was just crazy. And that night we saw about 90 young people come to know Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then if you look at that 2006, keep going. People kept inviting friends. Have a look at this. 2007, have a look at that. It continued to grow. And what we started seeing is that we started realizing that young people, when set alight for Jesus, when bold for Jesus, will always keep doing what Jesus did, which is go towards the people. And if you keep looking at it, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, you see these photos flashing up, 2012, 13, 14, 15, continue to grow, went over to Melbourne, went over to um, uh, different cities, went over to New Zealand and, and, and now in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and it's continued to grow. And what I want to say is this, even as you look at this video that is just going to get played right now, you'll start seeing that, that what we have always tried to do in this movement and what we're longing and calling on the church to do and what we're seeing happen in this church is to go towards people, to call on young people to come forward and uh, have a little watch of this video right now. God, I pray that these guys would soar, that they would soar and surrender, and they would never ever stop following you. I didn't even count to three. People ran before I finished counting because they wanted to get to the front. And then we saw people up the aisles, just crying, tears, giving their life to Jesus. A group of us have been praying for this guy to come and know Jesus. And tonight he came along, he's not a Christian. And tonight was the night he said yes to Jesus. I remember you crying when you gave your life to Jesus <laughs> two years ago. And now she's crying with other people who give their life to Jesus. My, my 10 year old daughter, I saw her walk on out and it's just, it was fireworks, which like is right outside. Yeah. Beautiful As fireworks. they were walking out, they were like, oh, is this for us? And we're like, yes. I just gave my life completely to God. And so that is the method of Jesus. He goes towards the people. He refuses to stay away from them. But not only do we have the method of the Messiah when it comes to his mission, but we have his message. What? is his message. What is the message that Jesus Christ proclaimed? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 to 22, you'll find out what Jesus began to preach. Mm. I'm so excited. I'm smelling my water. But let me tell you this, right? Jesus, what he did was, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, and he began to preach this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Jesus, what he did from the very get-go is he didn't 
he didn't muck he didn't muck around. Jesus decided straight up that what he was going to do is he was going to call on people to give up their lives and put their uh, and turn away, turn away from the ways that they have been going that have been against Jesus' rule and move towards um, uh, living with God as their king. And so what we see is, is that we see that Jesus continued to, to preach that. What is it that is our core message? So often these days, I feel like we've kind of got so many different messages uh, kind of trying to sort of, is it, is it a bit like this, is it a bit like this, a bit like this. And so often the gospel message is getting watered down. And I want to say to you today that actually understand that message and getting that message right is so important. What is the message that you are that we are to take? The message is that Jesus, Lord, that we're to repent and come under His rule. That Jesus lived, that He died, that He was buried, and He rose three days later. And now He sits at the right hand of, of the Father, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is the gospel message that we need to grasp again. It's the age-old message. So many times we're looking for new things, new ideas, new things to say. But actually, it always comes back to this. But the thing is this. When it comes to the message, I, I wonder whether sometimes we know the message, but I wonder whether we've lost two things. I'm going to stick my neck out here, and even though this is going to be recorded and stay on the net forever, well, I can't really delete it, so I'm just going to, now, now I've committed. I've committed. Here it is. Ready? I think there's two major issues with the church today when it comes to the proclamation and the boldest proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ. Ready? I think two things that are really missing in the church today are, number one, urgency, and number two, expectancy. I believe what has happened somehow is that we have lost an urgency when it comes to the message. When it came to Jesus, when he preached, it was so like, Life and death, because it is. You know, I just, I just am longing for you who is watching this to go, I, there is an urgency here. This is not something you can sit back and just go, you know what? Can do sometime la, can do not la. I'm telling you, this is not can or cannot la. This is can, can, can la. This is actually must, not must, not even can, must, must, must. There is an urgency, there is a desperation, there is a need, there is a need that we that 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 is that is that is life or death. That when God's word, when the gospel goes out, we aren't only gonna be like, oh, surprised, oh wow, someone responded to that. We should expect it. We should expect it. Do you have an expectancy? An expectancy and an urgency that God will save. I told you I've got four kids. Talk about my eldest, he's now a teenager, but when he was eight years old, I'll uh, never forget the day that uh, one night, it was one night, he said to me just before going to sleep, he goes, Daddy, I said, yep. And he said, um, how did you start the rice movement? And I said, well, I didn't, God did. And he said, well, you know what I mean. I said, well, you know what? I'll just tell you honestly, and this is honestly what happened. I said, I just prayed a one-line prayer one day. I'll give you the full story later, guys. But just a one-line prayer one day where I just prayed and I said, God, use me however you want. I was like 19 years old. I said, just, and he said, what happened then? I said, well, then he just gave me an idea and things started and we just sort of kept stepping in faith towards it. Well, let me tell you this. 
You won't believe it. This eight-year-old kid, he then says this. He says, okay. I'm like, anything else? He goes, nope. I say, well, good night. Goes to bed. And the next morning, he comes up to me and he says, Dad. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I did it last night. And I went, I forgot what I said. So I was like, what? What did you do last night? He said, I prayed that prayer. I said, which prayer? He said, so use me however you want prayer. And he goes, I said, oh, great. And he said, and you're not going to believe what happened. The moment I said amen, God told me what to do. And I was like, now I'm interested. I'm like, no, that wasn't interested before. I'm always interested, dad. But now I'm really interested. And I said, what, what did he say? And he said, God told me that I've got friends, he said, at school who, if they don't know Jesus and they died, they'll spend eternity without Jesus. Is that right? I'm like, yep. Yeah. He said, so if they don't know Jesus and I know Jesus, then shouldn't I just tell them about Jesus? And I thought, I was trying to make it more complicated. And I thought, yep. And he said, so here's, my, here's what God told me to do. He said, he said I'm just going to take my Bible then to school tomorrow. And really, I'm starting to get alarm bells because I'm like, it's a public school in Australia. It's kind of like a thing. You can't really like, you know, just take your Bible to school and start telling people, eight-year-olds, you know. And he's like, I just thought, well, why don't I just, why don't I do that? Because my, my good friend Angus, he doesn't know Jesus. And so if I just ask him about whether he might want to uh, read the Bible with me, wouldn't that be a good thing, Dad? And I'm there going, well, I want to say, well, you know, every bit of me is going, well, he's going to probably get in trouble. And I thought about it for all of two seconds. I went, yeah, it's a great idea. So he takes his Bible to school the next day. And he goes up and, and the, the, the bell rings and it go, they go to break time. And as opposed to uh, just when they come out, he runs out with Angus. And just before they go out to lunch, he says to Angus, hey, Angus. Um, Angus is like, oh, let's go and play Pokemon or whatever it was playing. Because Asians play that apparently. Or handball or chess. Most Asians are play, probably playing chess. And said, let's go play this thing, whatever we're going to play. And the room said, hey, actually, I was just wondering today, would you, I was wondering whether you'd like to read the Bible with me. His eight-year-old Reuben says, his eight-year-old friend. And Angus says, what's the Bible? Angus, and then Reuben says, oh, it's, just, it's a book about Jesus. And then Angus goes, ready for this moment? I can, I can imagine like an eight-year-old Reuben just sort of heart pumping. And then Angus goes, yeah. So he goes, great. They sat down. I said, what did you, and then uh, he tells me later this is what happened. And he said, we read about Jesus calming the storm because that was the last thing he did at kids' church. And they read Jesus calming the storm. They did that. And then you won't believe this. Angus then says, should we do this again tomorrow? And he goes, yeah. And then Angus says, we should, maybe we should bring some others. And so then the guy who's not a Christian brings some other people and they do it again the next day. At this point, it keeps going. And then now three kids and then five kids start coming. And then... What happens is I get a message from Angus's mum, who's a Buddhist, and she says, hi, um, um, uh, Ribbon gave Angus a Bible, and uh, he brought it home today, just checking you know about this. And I said, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, uh, I'm doing a project. She said, I think it's great. I'm happy with it. It's fine. I'm like, dodge that bullet. And then 
Guess what happens? More and more people come. I'm telling you this, this is crazy. Within two weeks, there were 60 eight-year-olds reading the Bible at lunchtime. Isn't that just ridiculous? Might have had something to do with the fact that he called it Bible and chips and brought chips along, but that's all right. The gospel is definitely the ring that, thing that drew them in. And let me tell you, they're probably good chips too, but let me tell you this, let me tell you this. Then as they go through school a bit more, Reuben brings Angus to a rice rally and there's that big moment where Angus gives his life to Jesus. How good is that? Let me tell you this. There is an expectancy and an urgency that we saw in an eight-year-old boy that I think somehow when we become adults and older, we start letting go. We've lost this. And I want to say to you that Jesus always had in his ministry. Is there an urgency? Is there an expectancy? Is there a desire and a belief that it's really that simple? Or have we overcomplicated it? Have we really got to the point where it's just really that simple? I've got friends who don't know Jesus. I know Jesus. He tells me about, I know about him from here. Why don't I just tell them about him? And what would happen if we did? And I believe that 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 what's going to happen is that God's going to change your world. You're going to blow your mind with how much people actually, unlike what the media tells you, unlike what other people, are actually very much open to finding out who it is that you follow. So not only did Jesus have a message, uh, so have a, a method, not only did he have a very key message that was urgent, expectant, not only that, but he also had another M, which is miracles. I'll do this one quickly and just let me tell you this, that, that, that if you read in this passage, let me read it for you. He says this in, from, from a different version, from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, that what Jesus did was then, he's, he healed their diseased bodies. He healed their bruised and hurt lives. Do you know that we have a world out there that is hurting? We have a world out there that's hurting. There's a world out there that has the physical sickness, that has mental illness. Mental illness is really just, just taking out so much of our world right now today. And I want to tell you that, that, that what I think we need to be constantly doing is looking into those moments and being willing to pray over people, to pray into their, uh, to their ailments, to pray into the things that they're struggling with, to pray into their brokenness and to offer that. One things that my, my, my wife and I and, and, and my four kids, we, we love to be on mission as a family. We go to the park regularly and we just go and pray over people and we, we ask them anything we can pray for and we lay hands and we pray over them. You know, we were in Hawaii not that long ago and the Airbnb host who was uh, at the house that we we booked. We kind of came there, and when she came down, she had like a, a um a, 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 she she had such a hurt leg. It was so bad she couldn't even walk down any stairs. And I remember that one of our kids laid hands and prayed on prayed over her, and she I will never forget her face when 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 she just she was like first she thought it was kind of cute as a little kid laying hands on on my leg and and praying, and then and then God healed her just like that. It was crazy. The next day she was walking on the stairs and she was doing this. And she was like, she was like, how is this happening? How did, who is this person? How did this happen? Let me tell you this, that we need to realize that Jesus isn't just a concept. He's someone, he's a person. He moves by the Holy Spirit and he moves in the lives of people and he moves into their brokenness, into their spaces, into their hurt, into their pain. And that's what Jesus did. And that's where we need to go towards. You know, um, the last thing, the second last thing is this, not only have we got the method of Jesus, not only have we got the message of Jesus, not only do we see the miracles of Jesus with his mission, but we see the fourth thing, which is the motivation of Jesus. You know, in chapter nine, verse 36, this is huge, guys. Man, I've never, I've read these verses so many times and I've never understood it until recently about the depth of what's going on in chapter nine, verse 36. Listen to this. When he looked out over the crowds, in chapter nine, verse 36, he says, when he looked out over the crowds, he had, he had 
compassion over them. In another, another, another translation, it says his heart broke. So confused and aimless. So, so, so much they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can I tell you that the word there for compassion, the word there for Jesus' compassion is a Greek word. And it's, the Greek word is splangnizomai. Splangnizomai. And that's actually a verb form of the noun um, that actually is, comes from the word spleen, uh, which is our, or, or otherwise translated as internal organs. And so what's, what's actually saying is that Jesus was so moved. He was so moved for those who did not know him. So moved for those who did not have God as their father. So moved that it was almost like his whole guts moved. It was like he was, he was gutted. It was like he had like the deepest yearning. What do you yearn for? What do you yearn for? You know, I've told you at the start, I've been in Malaysia. Eight and maybe more durians later. I had eight yesterday. I'm telling you, this is serious. I had all the different species. And let me tell you, there is this thing. I don't know what Malaysians put in that fruit because you get addicted. You just have to keep going. And once you've had one Musang King, then you've got to try another red prawn. If you haven't had the red prawn, you think, oh, I better try the whole, whole, whole law. And then you've got to try the other one. Then you've got to try the D something. They always put a number on it. No one knows why there's a number on it. Last night, man, I was in Penang. And... And, and I went to the durian store and I think after my seventh durian or something, the guy looked at me and he's like, he goes, he's like, you don't, you don't come here very often, do you? I said, no. I said, I'm eating all my durian for, as, for my big durian fix. And he said to me this, he said, you want one more? I said, oh no, cannot, cannot. I said, cannot, cannot eat one more. And he said, this guy, man, these Malaysians, they know how to make business. I'm telling you, La, they know. You know what he said to me, right? He said, you go walk now, take a walk, take a walk. I said, he said, you come back to me tonight. Tonight, la. You come back. I saved one very special red prawn durian for you. Very special. I put aside. You come anytime you want. Even after 11, la. I stay here for you, la. I give you best price in Penang. He said, you go all over Malaysia, never find, find best price like this. And I thought, this guy, all Malaysians say that to me. He put it in my head. He planted a seed. 10.30 p.m. I'm thinking, I better go check. I went down there. The guy goes, ha! And there he was, my red prawn durian waiting for me. He opened it up and he gave me a pretty good price. Actually, quite a good price. I won't tell you because otherwise you all go there and get the same price and then I'll get in trouble. Ah. So what happened? Let me tell you this. He, I had a yearning. He played on my yearning. He played on my yearning. He knew I was addicted and he was like, more, more, come and get it. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. We need to be addicted. That's a wrong, it's a kind of a funny way to say it, but we need to be addicted to, to Jesus. We need to be so, so yearning for the loss that all we can think about, all we are consumed by, all that we can think about is how do we get to the next person to tell them about Jesus Christ? It has to be a longing. It has to be a yearning. It has to grab us in the guts. In the guts, during grabs you in the guts in a different way, but I don't want to tell you about that. But let me tell you this, you need to understand that it needs to move your guts. It moved Jesus' guts. It moved his spleen. It moved it. Splangnizomai. It moved with compassion. He was so sure that he needed to get to those people who were lost, that he would do anything. He would do anything. That's why he wept over the city. What do you weep for? 
You know how you can tell what you yearn for often? It's what, do you, what are you praying about? Are you praying through your shopping list of things? Or are you praying for friends and people? You've got their names on the wall where you're looking through them and going, they're going to get saved. I'm not giving up. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Have you got family members right now who you've thought they're too hard? No way. No way. Let me tell you, there's no, no way with God. God can do anything. And let me, just like a durian seed was planted in my head to get me going later. Let me plant a seed by the Holy Spirit in your head today. There are people in your phone book, not phone book, in your contacts app. So many people, think about them. Name them right now. Let me plant a seed for them on behalf of the Lord. They're in your mind right now. I know, I know some of them, are some names are coming into your mind right now. Even in this room as we film this, there's names that are dropping to your mind thinking, I think I've just given up praying for them. No. No. Let me plant the seed again and yearn for their salvation. Pray for them. Because not only did Jesus yearn, but the last M is this. He went after multiplication. Because let me tell you this, when that happens, you start seeing that, that there's an army, there's a whole group of people going after the same thing. And we're meant to produce more and more people who will reach more and more people. That's the whole point of discipleship, of the Great Commission. You know, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 to 38, you know what he says? He says this, listen, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Why am I thinking about durian right now? I don't know why. I'm, I do know why. It's those guys in Penang. Let me start again. Harvest. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Into his harvest field. Do you know what the Greek word there is? You won't believe it. The Greek word that we have translated ask, which we go, ask the Lord of the harvest. The Greek word is, is actually the word um, iteo which is actually, um, uh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry, 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 wrong, wrong. Come back, ready? Too much durian. Here we go, durian brain, gone. Here we go, back. The normal word for ask is iteo, right? But the word actually here is actually deomai that's used. So you think, why did they move to, why did he move the words? He moved this words because that word deomai is actually normally translated beg or plead. Jesus is calling us to do this. He's saying, he's saying, beg. Plead, plead to the Lord to send that workers into the harvest field. I believe that we are on the cusp of one of the greatest harvests that we've ever seen in the history of the church. And I believe that God can use you and will use you to do an incredible thing if we get on with His great commission. It is, after all, the great commission, not the great suggestion. It is the great commission. This is not an option. This is not a thing to maybe think about. This is not a can or cannot lie. This is the great commission. This is something that we are on board with together. This is the whole thing. What would it look like if you, what would it look like if this church, what would it look like if all the churches in Malaysia, what would it look like if the church at large went on mission and didn't take it as a suggestion, but took it as a commission and took it as if we are really going to the world and we're pleading and begging the Lord for the harvest. You see, this is the Messiah's mission. And I want to say to you this, today there's a whole bunch of people here who are listening who you yourself are thinking, I'm listening to this, but I don't, I, I hear your passion, Steve, but even myself, even in myself, you're thinking, I don't think I even have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this, in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to be the first to be bold here and stick my neck out and say to you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't have a personal relationship with him, right now, wherever you are in your room or wherever you are watching this, here it is, right now, all you need to do is simply to pray and give your life to him. Can I invite you to do that? Right now, just, just close your eyes right now and in your heart, just repeat after me, dear God, I'm, I'm sorry for living life my own way. Just yeah, close your eyes. Just repeat that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and rising again. Please come into my life and help me to follow you. I give my life to you today from this point on. I want to become a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, you need to tell someone, type it, do anything, lah, and tell someone to do this and that you've done this and someone will follow you up. But let me tell you this. If you want to be bold today, this is what I'm going to go for. Ready? I'm talking for you. Nah, don't turn it off. Nah, no fast forward. The sermon hasn't ended. This is the moment. This is it. This is the moment that I'm going to call on you to be bold. Are you willing to take a prayer right now where you will commit after this video ends? Commit. I don't mean like, yeah, maybe. I mean, commit to going out to those friends and being bold and giving the message to them, believing expectantly, urgently, with the right message, believing that they'll come to Jesus. You know what? I'm going to be, I, you want to talk about bold? I'm going to make, I'm going to ask my 12 year old who's here behind the camera right now to come to the front right now. Hey, Jake. Hey. How are you? Good. Good, man. Hey, Jacob, um, how old are you? 12. 12. And you just started high school? Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, Jakes, you know, um, tell me, I, I remember just recently um, in one of your uh, first, first term classes, um, there was a boy who doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. And tell me what happened. Um, yeah, so it was after one of our Christian studies classes and um, he was just saying that like, um, yeah, he understood and he like kind of agreed with some of the teachings that came with the Bible. But then uh he didn't believe that there was a real God out there. Um, and so then I, I asked him if uh, he was free the next lunch. And so um, since the next lunch, there was like um, a Bible study group that our school run, ran. And um, yeah, so he just said, yeah, sure. And um, he came along. Yeah, he just came along and started learning more about Come God. Come on. Well, give it up for 12-year-old being bold in class. That's hard. Come on, man. Give me some of this. And tell me, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, Dad, Daddy here, Dad here has backed out of many of those moments. I'm an evangelist, but I backed out of those moments where I'm like, I just don't want to, I've just got, and you just got to know him, right? Yeah. Well, did you even know him? Uh, I mean, I've, I'd known him for like two weeks. <laughs> so you're still trying to build a good relationship, you know, two weeks, and you decide to put, put it on the line and just go, hey, do you want to come to this thing? And he came. Yeah. And, you know, man, I want to say to you, were you a little bit nervous or not even? You're just like, why not? Um, I was kind of nervous at the start, but, like, as soon as I kind of, like, got into it, I started talking to him already. Like, you can't really pull out of it. <laughs> You've committed. You've committed. Yeah. And let me tell you, man, let me tell you what was happening in that moment. It was the Holy Spirit giving you bravery, boldness, and I'm proud of you. And so the people watching who... Uh, listening. And I want to say to you this, Jakes, would you be willing to pray for, are you ready for this? I'm going to put a toy on the spot. I'm going to ask him to run this ministry time and pray for you for boldness. If you right now, right now, honestly, if you right now are listening and watching this and thinking, I'm, I, I feel like I need boldness. I need more. I need to really go after this. And, and you know what? I'm going to be out there. I'd rather you not 
say I'm doing this. Not, I'd rather you not put your hand up in your room if, you, if you're like, no, I'm not, not ready yet. That's fine. But if you really are, from this point, I'm going to make a decisive moment where you want to be prayed for, for boldness. I'm going to ask Jacob to pray for you. You ready for that? So wherever you are right now, if this is you, I just want you to put your hands out like this, ready to receive or put your hands up and say, and that's you, that's you just saying, um, uh, God, I'm ready. From this point on, I will be on mission. I will be bold and I'll be in mission in my workplace, in my schools, in my, in, 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 with my family, wherever it is, I will go, go after it. You ready for this? So stretch your hands out right now. And um, Jacob, do you, want, do you mind just stretching your hands out and, and laying hands virtually over us and, um, and, just, and just pray for them? Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for all these people that um, have come forward to you um, to, uh, yeah, just want the boldness that you give, Lord. And yeah, just pray that you'll bless them with it, Lord, so that, uh, yeah, they'll really be on fire for you and on mission for you, Lord. I pray that, um, yeah, you'll just uh, give them the boldness they need to tell their friends or family or people in their workplaces or schools about you. And yeah, just pray that, uh, yeah, you'll just move in them and work in them and yeah, that you just plant a seed in their hearts to have an urge to, yeah, just really follow you and serve you and yeah, amen. Amen, come on, give it up, Jake's well done, man. Smash it. Hey, look, we're signing out from the Chong men here and uh, we are fired up. We are loving being in Malaysia. Are you enjoying being in Malaysia? Yeah. You like Nigerian? Yeah. Favorite species? Probably red prawn. There it is, you see, red prawn, like father, like son. And let me tell you, we're looking forward to be back here sometime. We only, I only preach in during season. No, that's not true. I preach whenever because Jesus did, but I'd prefer to preach in during season. Bless you guys. Talk to you soon. And um, God bless you for boldness. Go and get it. Go get them. Go and see salvations. You'll start seeing them. You'll start seeing them. Amen.